Welcome to the Toka Backstage Podcast. Join Toka's Executive Director, Chris Wolf, in conversations with the artists and people behind the scenes of the Torrance Cultural Arts Foundation's performances and events. Hi, this is Chris Wolf, the Executive Director of the Torrance Cultural Arts Foundation. We're here for another edition of Toka Backstage, and it is my extreme honor to be speaking with Lisa Loeb, the award-winning uh, singer, songwriter, entrepreneur, philanthropist, mom, uh, actor. I, I've, I've actually, I, just reading everything you've done or do is just a little overwhelming. It's, it's a lot of things for sure. I, I know it's, it's when, you, when you say it like that, it sounds very overwhelming. Like there are a lot of things going on, but I guess it's true. Um, I think I have so many friends and, and uh, I wouldn't say colleagues because that sounds very much like I'm a professor or something, but um, a lot of friends who are sort of in the same boat. We've all been doing, um, I don't know, I feel like when you have so many different types of things you want to create, like I know I want to I want to continue. I love making music. I always have goals for myself to continue writing songs and oh, I have this other idea for a different kind of song or a different style or, you know, there's always sort of goals in my head about songwriting. And it's still something I'm really excited about. And, and I think even more so that I'm not like a big radio star right now, you know, like I just feel like I have much more room to experiment and to really just sort of tinker and, and make music and, and collaborate with others. But I also love drawing and dancing and taking care of my kids and making food and creating TV shows and, uh, you know, just a million different things. I like, I like that and I like collaborating with people and meeting new people. Um, I like performing live. Um, I'm always studying like voice or a guitar. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like I'm an eighth grader or something without having to go to like actual, you know, school. Well, Lots of I, different interests. No, I, 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 I think that's amazing. It's, I, I know growing up, you know, as I did in the wanting to be in the performing arts, it's like I, I wanted to do magic, then I wanted to do acting, then I wanted to do directing. And it's like, what do you do with all that? But it, it's always refreshing to see people who find just a passion for creating and just do it. I mean, they just- Yeah. You know, along those same lines, I know um, when I was growing up, the idea of actually being a, a musician or something in the arts as a profession it seemed out of reach. It seemed like a hobby, something you weren't supposed to do. Right. Um, and I, and I, I don't know if it was like old timey or kind of basic, but when I, I remember in high school, it might've been in like my high school yearbook quote or something where I, I just, I didn't want to look back and say, Oh, I should have tried, you know, why, what is that phrase? You know, when you look back and you, and you didn't, you didn't tr even try to do that right. thing that you wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't, you don't want life to go by. You're like, I should at least try. And I feel like that sort of developed and evolved into an even larger thing. Like you're saying where all those interests you had when you were younger, I still feel like with the, all, all the interests I had when I was younger, I still didn't get to explore enough. Like I didn't know when I wanted to be an actor growing up that there was also really people making the sets and people not playing the lead roles. Not that I always had the lead role by any means, but there's just so many different nuances and jobs and types of theater or musical theater or music or instruments or magic. My son was talking to me about mime last night. I was like, oh my gosh, we could go online and learn about mime. You know, 
and and I kind of my my brain is a little bit like that not only with my own projects but like i'm looking at my bookshelf i'm constantly reading and there's always one more thing i really want to do and do it thoroughly like i want to watch all the olympic ice skaters i've barely watched any but i because i'm also reading this book but i'm also reading another book for a book club but also you know there's just so many things uh and the internet can make it you know make it a little bit uh, hard to focus as well because you, you you can easily get sort of off track because everything's so important. I know. Well, I've, I and I. It's interesting because I noticed, uh, speaking of the internet, that that you're really active on social media, which is kind of it's kind of neat. For, well, in, in a way, it's nice to see celebrities who are active on social media because it gives them sort of a a one on one with almost a one on one with their fans. So, like, people can tune in to your Instagram and see you making cookies or whatever and do you feel that that offers you a sort of a connection with your fans i it, it suits me really well because i think in the late 90s i looked at my career and that was when i was really on the radio a lot and on mtv and all those things a little bit more commercial success as a musician but i was spending a lot of time thinking about what outfit do i have to wear to this thing and what you know getting my makeup done sitting for hours to get my makeup done and I, I was like, what, why, why am I doing this? Um, and I read a book called Finding the Work You Love by Lawrence Bolt. I'm looking at it, I always have it in my bookshelf. And I think it was more for corporate kind of people who were in a job that they didn't love and it was time for them to make a change. But I, I was always like, why am I doing this? It's so hard to write a song. It's not an easy thing to do. I have to sit in hair and makeup for hours at a time, you know, worrying about like, you know, the size of my butt. And, you know, and I was like, this isn't really, doesn't feel very fulfilling. But through reading the book, I realized that I, I kind of refocused, instead of having to change my job to, to meet my values and what was important to me, I kind of reframed what I was already doing and realized that I could do what was important to me. Because I realized at that time that instead of, I wanted to be a great performer, I wanted to continue to learn how to be a great songwriter and um do well at my job and i'm from dallas so i, I that's like you got to look nice if you can um you know you, you get in trouble if you don't wear lipstick before you leave the house um so that stuff is sort of ingrained in me but i also realized the most important thing to me the thing that gave me the most joy was connecting with people and hearing people's stories and being able to tell my stories when i can you know in an artistic way and i got to do that and and i didn't have to become a psychologist necessarily i could sit next to someone on an airplane and talk to them or talk to fans after a concert or be on stage and say things. And then people afterward might come and talk to me about what I said or something they had on their mind. It was a great connector, a great way to connect with people. Um, and, and, and so I feel like social media can be an extension of that. Um, being able to talk to people one-on-one -on -one, to hear what they're, uh, to hear what they want to tell me, whether it's something silly or a picture of a cat, or something that happened in their family or something that they're dealing with in their life. Those things really make me feel connected and, and make me feel like my life is very rich. That being said, I'm also always trying to balance the amount of social media versus the amount of sort of core work that needs to happen aside from connecting with the public. It's interesting, I was watching this um, person I'm friendly with, Beth Lapidus, was doing a, a Facebook Live last night, really, really late. I should have been asleep, but I was looking at her Facebook Live. But she was talking about being an artist, and she 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 said something about 
you know, you have to figure out for you, and, and I do this all the time, what you need. Do you need to go woodshed and actually, you know, put pen to paper and write and work? Do you need to be out like meeting people and, or do you need to be out taking a walk and relaxing your brain and getting, you, you know, there's all these different um, phases of, of what we, who we all are and what we all do and what feeds us. And I, I'm very social, but I'm also very, I like to be by myself and uh, making things and thinking of things and letting my brain uh, kind of relax for a minute. So uh, social media can be a rabbit hole. I can always think, oh gosh, I should be on it way more. I should connect more. I should make more things. I should be on there live all the time. And part of me thinks like, oh gosh, I should, I should step away. This is a rabbit hole. I shouldn't be there. So, um, but I, I, again, like just with everything else in my life, I'm always trying to figure out where to give and take so that it can be the right amount for me at the time. And, you know, it's always about also taking a step back and saying, what do I need? What's, what's important to me? What do I value in this moment, this week, this year? How, how does all these different pieces work into that? Uh, going, starting sort of go, going back to, to your, your, the, the hit that sort of propelled you into, into stardom, which was stay. I mean, I guess people will, will see that and think, oh, it was like almost an overnight sensation. But yes. you, you, I'm sure, had a, a history prior to that. Yes, I know. I actually have boxes and boxes and boxes of flyers and demo tapes and, and lyric books and photos of old concerts to attest to it. You know, like ever since I was a little kid, I started writing music. I took piano lessons when I was... I don't know, single digits, six, seven, and our teacher encouraged us to write. So I would write music. Um, and, and again, like we talked about, I was also an actor and did musical theater and did dance and tap and jazz and performing and um, always really, I, I was a DJ in high school. I collected records. I used to DJ at parties and on a radio station for years and just very, very involved in music, everything about it. And, and, um, so it's something I was doing a long time, all through college. I put out records in college with my friend, Liz Mitchell. We had a band called Liz and Lisa um, and played concerts and tried to get ourselves on the radio, you know, college radio and have people write articles and go play at South by Southwest and do all the things you do when you're, you're sort of trying to get a record deal. Um, so it was, a, it was a long, long process. And then it, it paid off in, um, having so much experience playing concerts and and doing everything behind the scenes, you know, booking shows, playing shows, uh, meeting other musicians, under, learning about the music business. Um, back then, a record deal meant something a little bit different than it does now to a lot of people. But uh, it, it was something that had been my whole life working toward that place where all of a sudden my friend, who I had met through another actor at Brown University, um, my friend Josh Hamilton and introduced me to Ethan Hawke in New York City after I'd moved there and um, we became friendly and I was there was a, a large group of us that ran around New York together and uh, I used to make music for Ethan's theater company and uh, they he and a bunch of other folks came to my concerts and um, Ethan was making a movie and really in retrospect it's a dream come true it's the way you think things are supposed to happen where you do this thing, you know, I'm this musician and then this actor 
um, who I'm friendly with, asks me for a copy of my song, um, one of the songs that I enjoy playing, that I wrote myself, um, that I had just recorded with my band. And he passed it, you know, Ben Ethan Hawke passed it along to Ben Stiller, who was directing the movie Reality Bites, and they decided to put it into the movie. There's a little bit more backstory, but you know, and, and then the song was in the movie and it was on the soundtrack and it went to number one. Like that's that's sort of like a movie uh, story, but it actually happened to me. In retrospect, that's much more unusual than it felt at the time. At the time it felt natural because I would meet somebody and then some other cool thing would happen and maybe someone would invite me to play at a benefit concert or you know, neat things led to each other and all these different connections led to each other. And it was a really exciting time to be around other creative, um, young, inspired people in New York City. Um, but now, you know, I don't know how many years later, tw uh, almost almost 30 years later, it's unusual to have a song that you're excited about that you just pass along to somebody that they just put it in a movie, you know, like that's unusual. Um, we, we try for those things all the time. Um, that that was great timing as well as being prepared of being a songwriter my whole life you know and and being a performer and being a musician and a producer and everything else where did the where what inspired uh the stay was it stay was a song i was having an argument with my boyfriend who is also my producer um and i decided i in in my songwriting at the time I was really into writing things that were really abstract, like things that I would hear by The Cure or Led Zeppelin. I was always interested in, in really abstract things. I was starting to get more interested in more singer songwritery kind of songs where they tell stories. Um, I didn't really want to write too obviously about myself because I thought that was just, I didn't think that was like a strong choice. I liked things that were more mysterious and crafted. Um, but this time I sat down and I kind of wrote a bunch of things in a journal, which was the starting point of the song. Um, and so I think it ended up being a much more personal song, or at least having personal, you, it's hard to understand the song, I think, when you really look at the lyrics, but for me, there was like a personal emotional connection that was strong, as well as music that was rooted in Hall & Oates. I wanted to write kind of an R&B song, like the old Hall & Oates songs, like Sarah Smile with a groove, and also with a cool guitar lick. So those two things came together to make the song. And, and now it has a resurgence with obviously the commercial and and uh i'm i'm curious to hear what you think of david grohl's version i think dave grohl perfectly captured the angst of the song like even greater than i could have ever expressed it um he just was so awesome with his death metal uh version of it i i love his version of it it it, it is funny because it does sound like it, it I mean, it starts off typical, but then it got, kind of goes into this heavy, like you said, yeah. death metal death thing. Metal. And it's, it, I, I got the vibe from it really quickly. Like that was, I could see that as a version that would, could live on, yeah. you know. We I, actually played the song together once. Uh, we, we did a fundraiser together and we did a Bowie song and his band also learned Stay. And he's like, this is a hard song. I'm like, yeah. It's very funny, but we we had done the song together before, not quite, not death metal version though. That that was definitely a surprise. Um, and uh, from there, just uh, uh, sequences of of hits and and gold records and awards. What what do you think you're most proud of at this point? Um, 
I think I'm proud of sticking with it. You know, um, I, I talk to a lot of friends who are different places in their careers, different people of different ages. And what I really admire about some of my friends is, 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 is sticking with it through all of the different phases. You know, I've, I have a few different friends who've had huge hit songs and then they're just, they're song singer songwriters and you go see them in intimate venues and they're just always creating and finding things they're passionate about and doing things. I, I like, I, I want to be that person too. And, and that's sort of what I do. I do things that are important to me. Um, the best that I can, I make a lot of different kinds of music. I don't, um, I get an idea and I, and I make it like, I just, I, I love creating. I love being creative, even in, in, you know, getting the music out there. Like what's an interesting way to get music out there or so I'm, 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 I think that's the biggest thing. And like I said earlier, just being able to, there's, there's just always something else that's additionally interesting or developing a certain skill I already have. Like there's just not enough time in the day, you know, like to be able to have, it, it's not always balanced, but I kind of, got it all i have a family with kids that i really love i get to travel i have places i do want to travel you know i get to write music um i get to read books i get to you know i i, I just uh to be able to continue to do that is is really exciting well I'm, and you not only read books but you write books too or, or children's mm -hmm. books right yeah i wrote a couple children's books they were more centered in the lyrics of, of some songs that I put out um, with some arts and crafts and activities and recipes. I am actually, that's that's something that I really need to figure out the right time. I'm working on a couple of actual book books with stories, but um, I'm having trouble focusing on them. <laughs> I need to set aside some real uh, time to do that. Even that, like having the maturity to realize wait a minute, like it's taken me a long time to figure this out, but wait a minute. Sometimes when you set aside three hours to do something, you may need like the first hour just to get your butt in the chair to actually start the work like that. That's okay. That can be part of the process instead of, you know, I've been at other times in my life where I'm like, oh my gosh, well, how come I'm not writing? How come it's not happening? Just, you know, to, to becoming more and more comfortable with whatever that process is. Well, but I'd like I'd like to do more of that writing books. Writing in and of itself is just a daunting task. I mean, looking at a blank, what used to be a blank piece of paper on a typewriter, right. now a blank screen. It's like, was was that movie? Um, there was a movie with. Uh, Why am I thinking John Malkovich? But there's so many different. Yeah, where they're just looking at, you know, and you're just trying to type that first word. It's like, yeah, where, where do you go? So, yeah. It, it, I think you need to ease up on yourself on that one because that's right. Tough. <laughs> it's it's hard and uh, and I, and yeah, there's there's a couple of ideas that I keep it, I, I keep coming back to the fact that like you just have to sit and write. Yeah, you just have to sit and write, and I do get a lot of um, courage and strength from hearing Stephen King talk about writing. Or you know, I'm looking over here. I've got all my writing books. I've got Natalie Goldberg, who I love, and she's really just about sitting and writing. You just do it. Um, talking to other authors uh, who who give me advice and stuff, but really it keeps coming back to just, you just have to do it. You just yeah. have to sit and do it. And here and there, I will say, and I give this advice because I've taken it myself. Sometimes depending on your life and your lifestyle, you may need a collaborator. 
um, I'm not quite ready for a collaborator for like the things I'm writing bookwise, but I'm, it may be a good idea. I found in some cases when you have a time and a place to meet and you, you're able to specify what your goal is because you're working on something with somebody else, sometimes you can actually get in good work habits uh, by collaborating. You don't always have to be all alone. Um, speaking of collaborating, um, one of the things that uh, the Torrance Cultural Arts Foundation does is we try to inspire and, and mentor and, and sort of help young aspiring uh, artists. We have a thing we do, uh, South Bay's Got Talent, where we it's a talent competition and then we try and nurture those some of the winners along. And I always like to ask the people we have on that I talk to, what pieces of advice would you give to a young artist that wants to sort of get in the business? Well, I think, like I said, part of it is focusing on the core of what the thing is. Um, doing the thing, you know, doing the thing and exploring it. And I don't know, you know, I, I have a cousin who's a glass blower, and I didn't know how many different kinds of glass blowing there was. I, I you know, we only, we hung out with him one afternoon in a studio and, you know, just not only the practice doing the thing, whatever the thing is, like you, if you mean artists, like a musician, right. you, you got to write, you have to sing, you have to, I know as a performing musician, there's, it's, it's a bit of a, there's a bit of athleticism in being a, a singer or a musician. You have to know about your body and take care of your body. And for me, I, I always grew up with, with learning things. So if I have certain songs that are harder for me to sing, or I want my voice to do more things, I work with a voice teacher, I work with a guitar teacher, I watch other people. So being really aware of, of what's out there, but also knowing yourself, if, if being too aware of what's out there, like what you're doing is, is getting in the way of you having your original ideas or, or taking away from the time you need to do your thing, um, then, then, then you, you know, maybe you don't focus as much on what other people are doing, but I think mostly doing the thing. And then if it's a public thing, like where you want other people to enjoy it, you have to start sharing it in some way, whether it's performing live, uh, posting music live and sort of see what people's reactions are. I, I, I don't want anyone ever to like um, do something for a reaction, but it's interesting to be aware of reactions. Cause I know when I was starting off to see so many people coming to see my concerts with my friend Liz and they were always even in high school my friends were really excited about my original music and they would ask for cassette tapes and there was that positive feedback that made me feel like oh wait what I'm doing is connecting with them and for me that was important I liked that they connected with what I was doing so sometimes being aware um, of what you're doing if you're if you're doing what you think that you're doing um, but mostly focusing learning about the business but not letting the business pull you astray from making the things and doing the actual core thing primarily. Also, and this is for somebody who wants to be a professional, and I talk to a lot of people in their late 20s, early 20s, late teens about this, especially people sort of, you know, early 20s, what you sort of think about what you want your life to look like too, because some jobs, you know, mean that you're going to be traveling a lot um, traditionally, like, do you want to have a family? Do you want to have a house? Do you want to, some of these things are hard when you're traveling, if you set it up so that what you, you want to be doing doesn't match. Um, your, your life is important, not just what you're doing. If you want to have a full life, like right. a lot of people I talk to, they do. And I, and I do know some people who said, oh my gosh, I ended up spending out 
long time on the road and I was never able to really have a relationship at home because of that. Other people who said, oh, I just wanted to be on the road. That was what I love doing. That's, you know, so being aware of, of what kind of life you're creating for yourself as well. You know, going back to your comment about There's too the, much advice, this could be like a 30 part series. No, no. I so I, many, and I have all these other ideas. I'm like, oh, also, I'm like, no, just stop there. <laughs> Focus on what you do. What you, you know, just like Nike says, just do it. Got to do it. Get better at it. Maybe get some advice or, or get an ear or an eye around you that you trust, maybe to give you some feedback. Um, but that can be a little dangerous or just feel for yourself if people are responding to what you're doing. Yeah, I think, I think there's so many pitfalls that people fall into. Going back to what you said about getting that feedback, I think, you know, like you said, if you're at a live performance, performing live for, for a group and they come back and, and you get that interaction, that's usually somewhat positive and helpful. Um, but I notice nowadays on the internet, um, if you post something on YouTube, some of the comments are just hurtful. Yeah, you kind of have to either ignore them and or take them, even though they may not, <laughs> you have to be able to figure out how to look at them constructively. Yeah. Like I know early on um, when I was a musician and, you know, like I said, I had been writing songs since I was a little kid and uh, it's something that I took really seriously. And sometimes I would get comments or press that was, it, it, it was like, oh, they don't think I'm a real musician and they don't think I'm a, a songwriter. And sometimes it takes the musician themselves in their press release telling people what a real, you know, I was like, how come that guy's a genius and I'm like an overnight success? How come that? And then I looked at their press kit and in their press release, you know, they said that they're a genius, you know, a genius <laughs> songwriter or whatever. I, I wouldn't dare put I'm a genius songwriter in my press release because that sounds really pompous. But then I thought, well, you know, you do want to present yourself in a way that 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 is what you, you you need to watch how you present yourself. Again, it's about mostly what you're doing and is it coming from your heart and like what you really want to do. But if you are, I don't know, it's just important to to understand how you're presenting yourself as well. Um, that can make a difference. Well, I think that goes back to what you said earlier about having somebody around you that you can you know get feedback from that you trust. Right. So they can they can be the one who put it puts it in your press release that you're a genius. So you don't have exactly. To. <laughs> it's 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 all over the place though. You know, I think of my dad. Um, my my folks would come see me play, and uh, I feel like maybe you know ten years into or ten or fifteen years into playing all the time. My dad's like, you need to just put a people need to you need to hear a hard chord at the end, like a like ta da, like a thing, you know, so people know the song is done. And in my brain, I'm thinking, that is so corny. Why would I do that? I like it to be kind of like I'm quietly closing a book and stepping away, you know. But I actually ended up taking his advice. And now when I'm playing certain concerts, especially larger venues where there's less intimate contact with the audience and less energy, you, you know, you can't get away with such subtle stuff. I strum and the song is done and the audience is like, oh, now's the time. <laughs> like they have you. you it's like, that makes sense. I was like, oh, geez, he's right. You know, yeah. like sometimes advice, it's, it's, you can take it or leave it, but it's sometimes it can be interesting to hear, but you have to have thick skin and be able to say, yeah, I appreciate what you're saying. I know what, with one of my albums, somebody very close to me with one of my newer albums said, it sounds, yeah, I don't know. It sounds like 
self-helpy or something. And I said, great. I, I was hurt because I don't think it sounded self-helpy in a bad way. I thought it sounded like it had really great advice and in an artistic way. And I said, well, I wrote these songs on my new album, A Simple Trick to Happiness, so that you could take them with you and that they spoke to you. And um, they spoke to you in that way that, that you might write something on a post-it pad and stick it on your mirror because you want to see that message. So I'm going to go ahead with what I think is right. I think this is the right way to go with these lyrics and with this production. And, you know, my core fans have been so, so, you know, you can see it. I've had Zoom meetings with them and, and I've talked to them and they've written me letters and they come to my streaming shows, live stream shows. And they're so grateful that I wrote those things that mean so much to them that they feel seen and I feel seen, you know? Yeah. So if I had just taken the advice from the one person who's like, eh, I don't know about those lyrics, you know, it made me think, well, what do I think? You know what? I, I'm upset that you don't necessarily, they don't resonate with you, but I'm going to go ahead and make them that way. Oh, and, that, and, and you're the artist. So that's, you know, right. But you have to have thick skin for somebody to say to you, true. you know, why are you doing that? Or, you know, why are you doing this? Um, I'm curious about your your um, nonprofit and your your camp. Uh, how how was that? How did that come about? Well, I was making kids' records, and my second kids' record was called Camp Lisa, and I really wanted to make like a TV show with music in it to show kids what summer camp could be like. Because I went to sleepaway camp as well as day camp, and it was a place where you could really, if you had insecurities, you know, whether it was social or jumping in a lake, you know, or you could try new things that you never tried before. You, you felt so much more confident at the end of summer camp. You could have fun, um, learn about yourself, learn, you know, there were so many great things about summer camp. I wanted people to know about that. So I was thinking, oh, let's take this summer camp music that we're making, um, both originals and classic summer camp songs, and let's make a TV show. And the TV show didn't happen, but in the process, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so Los Angeles. I'm trying to make a TV show about summer camp. What about if we actually give kids the experience of summer camp by sending them to summer camp, not letting them watch it on TV? So um, we started the Camp Lisa Foundation to send kids to summer camp, kids who might not normally have an opportunity to go to sleepaway camp. And so that's what that is. So all the proceeds of the Camp Lisa record, um, I have a coffee line called with a company called Coffee Fool, and we have a coffee called wake up it's the wake up blend and that's named after one of my songs called wake up um, and all the proceeds of that go to send kids to summer camp so it's something i'd like to to grow more and more but i i, I think uh focusing on things sometimes that aren't school but that give kids a lot in their lives um, i think that's really important but i think that i think too uh, the summer camp can really nurture a kid, whereas sometimes school is more of a, um, almost a hardship for kids. Yeah, I think so too. I think, you know, I, I loved it. I did well in school. I made good grades, but I loved being at camp where it wasn't about making good grades. Yeah. And yeah, I might've been the kid holding onto the side of the, you know, the, the dock because I couldn't swim laps like in a great way, but I could play some guitar and, and, and we'd all sing together and I could help make up skits and I was valued as a human, you know, and making stories and joking around and being a friend, things that sometimes you don't get as much focus on, at least traditionally at school. I think schools are coming around a little bit, but 
you know, it's a place where you're not graded. And again, it, it should be, hopefully camps should be a place where there is, it's safe. Kids can learn to be independent, whether it's for the day or a sleepaway camp scenario. For some kids, it's the first time they're out in nature or even close to nature. Um, hopefully no computers and, and technology. It's just it, it, like, yeah, it's a different, a different place than, than school. Well, I, I have to say, I, I, I am in awe of everything that you're doing. And, and uh, I'm, I've, been, I've been a big fan for quite a while. And I know you have millions of fans out there. So, and I hope a fraction of those people will come see you on Saturday, March 18th uh, or 19th at the Armstrong Theater at eight o'clock. I'm so excited to play there. I love playing at a nice theater where we can actually tell some stories. Well, and the nice thing about, you know, not to toot our own horn, but the, the Armstrong is, I mean, it's 500 seats, but it's an intimate 500 seats, you know? Oh, that's great. That's like the perfect scenario. And it's so fun. I always play requests, some that I find out about in advance from social media. Like we'll ask if anyone has requests, but some just on the spot. And um, I'll play old songs and new songs. And um, I have to play the songs that people are really familiar with that they always request. Cause I love, you know, when I go to a concert and hear people play the songs that I know. Um, so I'm, I, I just, I, I think it's gonna be great. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. I know you're, you're extraordinarily busy. So this is, it's been an honor to speak with you. And uh, we look forward to seeing you coming up in March. Thank you so much. I look forward to it also. I appreciate it. And thank you for being patient with my schedule. <laughs>